thanks for tuning in. It is September 1st, 2021, already into September. I am Skywalker, and welcome to Radio Memories. Our special guest today is radio legend J.J. Johnson. Of course, you get your radio legend stripes when you make it to KFRC. And of course, J.J. was at KFRC, also made a big impact in the Los Angeles area in the 70s. He was the program director of 1580K Day, and that was a big radio station here in Los Angeles in the 70s. He's going to share his radio memories today. And joining us from his studios in West L.A., radio legend J.J. Johnson. JJ, it is so good to see you, my friend. It's great seeing you, Sky. You know, we we've known each other for so long, and you have a great history in in radio. Well, as do you. Yeah, it's uh, it talk about good fortune, man. I mean, um, it really has been beyond what I had dreamed of when I was a kid. You know, when yeah, someone finally someone made the suggestion, he said, "Why don't you do this?" Because I used to uh, visit a jazz station in Cleveland and WCUI, and there was a guy named Chuck Lansing, and I would visit Chuck after my uh, job. I had a, a job; I was a stock boy at a um, a women's shoe store, and at the uh, transfer point in Cleveland Heights, I would go up to WCUI and see Chuck and sit sit around with him for a while. I was just fascinated with the whole thing because he would start a record on these huge um, uh, turntables, these huge Gates turntables. You know, they, they, they started up as giant. And um, what was crossing my mind is they're hearing him. He's traveling, in effect, at the speed of light because they're hearing him in Parma right now. And that was way on the other side of town. And to us at that time, that was far away. In LA terms, it's nowhere, but in in Cleveland terms, it was, you know, in another galaxy. And uh, anyhow, he said to me one time, he says, "Why don't you do this?" And I said, uh, "Well, I'm only 15. I can't do that." He says, "Why not?" I said, "Because I'm only 15." He says, "Well, uh, do you have a social security card?" I said, "Yeah." He said, "Then you can do this." Bing, and that's what started it. Just like that. But what I was thinking at that time was I was thinking in terms of Cleveland. And that was it, because that was really my universe. And um, uh, I would not have dared to imagine uh, the things that followed just over the next few years. You know, because it was it was awesome. So where do you go from there? You uh, take your accumulated skills you mean from from where I started? Yeah. Oh, okay. Um, well, we uh, sent my uh, audition tape because what he did was they didn't have a production studio, and what the, the jocks would record um, spots on another channel while they were on the air. And um, uh, but in order to do what Chuck suggested, let's make an audition tape for you. Uh, we had to wait until 1 a.m. one night. And he walked me through it. And, of course, being in front of that, that setup uh, was a lot different from watching him do it. And uh, it sucked, I'm sure. I haven't heard it uh, in 50 years, but I'm, I'm sure it was really the pits. And um, 
we sent it to his program director at CUI, and then we sent one to the sister station, WJMO, which was an R&B station in Cleveland, and uh, got a no in both places. That didn't bother me. I grew up in theater. So auditions are what they are, and you don't always get the audition, and you don't, you know, tuck your tail between your legs and right off into the sunset, you know, and say, you know, woe is me. You don't do that. You get up and go at it again. That's right. So the you next dust yourself thing, off and you, you get right back up. And you get right back up. Well, there was a guy on the radio named Mike Payne who, well, we became lifelong friends. But at that time, he was uh, one of the local radio stars. Mike knew everybody, man. Mike knew the mayors. He knew half of the uh, high school principals in the city. Um, he, um, he knew Martin Luther King. I mean, he knew everybody. And... Um, And he knew, you know, the whole Motown stable. He knew everybody. And he was an uh, extraordinarily talented man. Um, A couple of our friends knew him, as a matter of fact, your friends and mine. But Mike, uh, we used to listen to Mike every day after school. And then he showed up at my school one day and he's in this swirl of students, right? Just wherever he went, he's surrounded by these students. And I thought that was cool. And he had these disc jockey clothes on, you know. Um, it was, it was a distracting outfit and for the sixties. And, um, then the next thing was, I, I, it became summer of 1966. Now I made my first tape early that year. And when I was still 15, I turned 16 in July. Anyway, I made my, my uh, audition tape and didn't know what to do. And I'm at home and I'm listening to the radio and Mike is on the air and he says something to the effect of that there's any way I can help you, just give me a call. I don't remember how he said it. He said it hipper than that. But uh, I called him immediately and said, hey, my name is Orvi. My middle name is Orville. I said, my name is Orvi and I want to be on the radio. And he said, okay, well, come on down. So I came down uh, two days later and he gave me a tour of the station. And it was really nice, man, for, for the uh, for the. 1966, it was state of the art. You know, it wasn't terribly fancy, but it was really, really nice. I mean, even even in in memory. So he showed me around and um, uh, took me to the various studios and blah 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 blah. And then he said, "Listen, I'm, I got a basketball game. He's going to go join some friends for a basketball game. Can I give you a ride?" So I had him give me a ride to, you know, take me to a more convenient place to catch the bus home. And he had my number, and I'm thinking he's going to call. Well, um, three months passed, no call. I called him back, and I said, "Hey, man, this is Orvi. I'm, I'm serious." And he said, "Okay, well, come on down." And that was it. And after that, he started taking me seriously. He gave me a stack of records. He showed me how to work the stuff in the production studio, gave me a stack of records and some copy, and just had me go for it. And the first lesson in radio, uh, after I did that that first little audition, I guess you could call it, was it's W. It's not W. It's not W-A-B-Q. It's W. <laughs> and that was my first radio lesson. And then I was there practically every day. And um, uh, sitting in the back of the studio while he was on the air. And that was really something to watch because he was he was really a showman. And um, uh, that went on for about a year and a half. And then Leon, Leon, uh, Leon Isaac Kennedy. He was Leon Isaac then. Uh, That was his given name. 
Leon um, was going to go to WJLB in Detroit. And I'm thinking, well, I'm probably going to go on the air here because there's nobody else hanging out. There were no other kids hanging out. And um, Leon left, and the days passed. Well, here comes the weekend. It's a, it was a daytimer, so let me explain that. It was a daytimer, so there was no weeknight 7 to sign-off shift because you did, we didn't go till 7. Right. But I knew that on the weekends they'd need somebody. And finally, Mike said, hey, man, you ready to go on air? And I said, Yeah. And I said it like that because I was trying not to <laughs> jump out of my skin, man. I was so excited. And uh, uh, so on January 6th of all dates, January 6th, 1968, I went on air on WABQ and uh, and said shit twice about an hour and 45 minutes into my career. And I just knew it was over. I mean, you know, my heart stopped. And I didn't ask Mike about that for 30 years. I waited for 30 years before I said, man, did you hear me say that? He said, no. I said, okay, good. But when I got to, <laughs> when I got to school the next Monday, I saw um, uh, one of my favorite teachers in the hallway. And, and I said, hello. And she turned around and looked at me and smiled and said, oh, shit. <laughs> so that's how it started. You know, you know, and it just went up from there. And it was it was a magic thing, man. I mean, I you know, I got to meet people. I got to go to all the concerts and whatnot. I um, got to hang out in the dressing room for 10 minutes with Jackie Wilson. I mean, this is an icon, right? right. Um, I went to see Janis Joplin, although we didn't play Janis Joplin. I did go to her concert, and then I was invited to an after party for Janis Joplin, which was going to be in Murray Hill. Not let me explain. Murray Hill was not a place you wanted to go if you were black in 1969, but that's where the party was, and I didn't know this till we were in the car on the way. The party's hosts were Hell's Angels, and we had a great time. <laughs> yeah, and and sadly, Janis probably didn't even remember. Well, probably not, but she never made it. Uh, members of her band made it. She was with the, it was the uh, Cosmic, what was it? It wasn't Big Brother and the Holding Company. Janis Joplin and the Cosmic Blues Band. I think Cosmic Blues Band. It was Cosmic something. It was Cosmic with a K. Anyhow, there was that. But I got to meet everybody, man. And yeah. um, uh, and I was thrilled to death to be able to do that. And I was a sponge. I wanted to get better and better and better. I would go to Leo's Casino, which is legendary. That was the R&B spot. Uh, of Cleveland and really one of the great uh, R&B venues of the time. And uh, I would see all the acts and whatnot, and I would hang out with the acts and whatnot. So I was sort of in, in a little mini heaven. I was hanging out with the people I admired, you know, so. So, so cool. how does this young kid get to KFRC? Well, uh, first I went to KYOK in Houston. Mike called me up one day. He was going to go to Houston to KCOH. And, uh, he called me up, uh, and, and said, come to KCOH with me. And I said, Hmm, oh, well, uh, uh, well, uh, I don't, and two days later, Wes Dickinson, who was also wild West was, had been on the WABQ staff. And he said, come on down to KYOK in Houston. These were com- competing stations. Well, Long story short, KYOK was paying $15 a week more. And we're talking 19, 
1969. So $15 a week was some money. Oh, yeah. And um, uh, so I, I went down there. So me and Mike hung out a lot, but I was on the com- uh, competing station. Anyhow, I was there for for X amount of time, and I was listening to Kilt. Because, now, remember, when I was in Cleveland, I was listening to Wixie. I was listening to the other R&B station. I was listening to our station. I was listening to Wixie. I had grown up listening to WHK. I'd listened to WHKFM, which became WMMS. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And um, um, and I listened to CKLW, which was like, I couldn't believe it because by the time I got in radio, I had an appreciation for what CKLW was putting forth because I couldn't figure out how they did it. It wasn't that it wasn't that what they did seemed impossible. It was that they would have had to uh, have operated under um, such a, a, a high level of organization uh, that I didn't know how they did that I, because we weren't organized to that extent. You know what I mean? Ten years ago today, I, I didn't have any way of instantly knowing if this record, this oldie I'm playing was five years old or seven years old or or, or anything like that. And they had other uh, uh, number one men and number one. I don't remember was number one a year ago. So uh, that seemed kind of magic to me. Anyhow, I went in and listened to Kilt because the guy who I replaced at KYOK had moved over to Kilt, Walt Baby Love. And uh, oh my God, Walt Baby Love. Yeah, him. I love so him. now then he left. I think he went to CKLW. And I called Bill Young, program director of Kilt. And I introduced myself. He said, well, come on down. So I went down and I took my handy dandy, you know, you always had your tape and resume ready at that time. And I took my tape and resume down to uh, to Bill Young. And he sat there and he put the thing on the, had this huge Ampex in his uh, office. And he put it on there and he played it. And he looked over my resume. And we talked and he said, look, I, he said, I would hire you at Kilt, except but I don't have a space. I just replaced Walt. He said, but um, what would you like to do? Would you like to go north, east, or west? And I said, well, I could stay and wait for an opening at Kilt, or I'd like to go west. He says, well, have you ever heard of Paul Drew? Well, I had heard of this person. He says, well, Paul used to be program director of CKLW. Oh, yeah, I had heard the name. So um, he says, now, I'll give Paul a call, but let me explain that it there will be times you want to tell him to take this job and shove it because he's tough. I said, okay, give him a, give him a call. <laughs> so he called Paul and told him he had me there and that he was impressed with me and that uh, he's going to send my stuff to Paul. And a few weeks later, I went home and uh, went to the mailbox and there it was, it was, a, you know, RK, KFRC, RKO general. And I was like freaked, like, Oh man. And I went upstairs and, um, me and Phyllis, my first wife, were together at the time. We're still friends. She's a radio person, by the way, but sales. Um, open was it that up, and just he was like a freakazoid type of thing when you just got that. You know, oh my God, Listen, he was he was telling me I wasn't ready, but keep the tapes coming, and that was good for me. I I was thinking, well, that's fine. I can do that. And I would send a tape in and then he'd make a suggestion, just do this. And he would give me one thing at a time to, to concentrate on. And I did that over months. Then me and KYOK had it out and I split. Well, by two weeks later, I was in Chicago at WGRT. And Paul called about three months after I got there, three or four months after I was on the air there. And he said, hey, you haven't been in touch. I'm at the Sheraton O'Hare. 
uh, would you care to join me for dinner? Yes. So I went out to the Sheridan O'Hare and we sat there. Now, Paul was nothing like what I expected. I expected a tall guy with, with a, uh, a, a, a deep resonant voice, right? Well, on the phone, it wasn't a deep resonant voice. You, you remember how Paul talked. Oh, yeah. And exactly. <laughs> and then I expected him to be tall and he was a little round guy. He wasn't fat, but he was round, you know, and, uh, bald and bald. I mean, this was interesting. And by the way, he's still one of my heroes, but he, I, he was not what I expected. Drake, Bill Drake later on was what I expected, but Paul was not at all. Oh yeah. Bill, Bill. Oh my God. I had to have drinks with Bill at the Candy Canyon in Woodland Hills because we were working on this this new concept. He wanted to go against Westwood One, and it was called Rock and Roll Roldies. And and we were going to go up against uh, uh, Westwood One's uh, Oldies channel. And part of the group was Mucha Morales, myself, uh, Humble Harve, a few other people. And I had to sit with Bill Drake, who I was, it was a great pleasure. I loved every minute of it, mm-hmm. but you had to drink with him. Right. And this was in the nineties and he could put it away. And I wasn't drinking that much in those days. <laughs> I learned to drink lately and became a, a drinker, but, but, Oh my God. I know. He well, would make you drink. Well, he listen, would make you drink. I was and then I had to of- drive him to the Clarion where he was staying. But it was interesting to get to know Bill Drake. Oh yeah. Yeah. And and, and let me let me tell you, this is one of the things this is one of the things I meant when I said that things went way beyond my expectations because I knew Bill Drake as a top of the hour voice. Ladies and gentlemen, the sure. beat goes on. Right. And uh, that's how I knew him. And it sounded huge to me. CKLW sounded like the the uh, uh, the, the GM building. Bigger that's, than life. It was huge. And there was this voice. And uh, I was just now in meeting Paul. I was just months away from meeting Drake. He said, keep the tapes coming. We were going to have an opening, blah, 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 blah. And so I was only at C, uh, WGRT for about five months, about five and a half months. And then the call came from KFRC and I had to take it. Now, the funny thing was, uh, uh, Don Cornelius had this show called Soul Train on, and it was a local Chicago show at right, that time. Right, right. And, uh, he, right. he, he wanted, he needed to take a break for something. And he, he asked me if I would, uh, host it for him. And I said, yeah, but I had to get permission because of our contract, I had to get permission from my program director. He was not mad at me for leaving. He was a little disappointed, but he wasn't mad at me. But Mr. Atlas, who owned the station, he was put out with me for only being there for that short period of time. And and he squashed it. He wouldn't let me do it. Now, I'm not mad at him because I really don't blame him. So you didn't get to host? No, I didn't show? get to host it because it was it, it went it flew, it flew in the face of the uh, the contract with the station. Which he could have, he could have said okay, but he decided not to. So you know that's cool. But um, uh, <laughs> I, uh, I thereafter went to KFRC in San Francisco, and what just crossed my mind as I said that was I remember coming through Yerba Buena Island, which is right in the middle of the bay. It's closer to San Francisco than the East Bay, but I, it's a tunnel, right? You go through this tunnel, mm-hmm. and then 
as you come out of the tunnel, San Francisco comes into view like in the movies, right? Right. And it was right. that was the beginning of the real magic. Now, I had been listening to KFRC since Sacramento, coming through Sacramento, listening to uh, Bill, uh, Bill, listen to Bob Foster. Um, but now I'm here. I am looking at San Francisco and from from it's technically you're in the city when you're in Yerba Buena Island, but you, you're really outside of it because, you know, it's a tip of a peninsula. So uh went there. Checked into the hotel. Next morning, I just took a walk. I take a walk no matter where I am um, in the morning. And I went and I just looked at the station, went back, hung out, and went in Monday morning and uh, was introduced around. And uh, like a couple nights later, I started doing the uh, the break-in thing with Gene West. And uh, that was the beginning of that. And then I turned 21. I turned 21 in July. And shortly thereafter, Drake came. I knew Drake would be coming. And Drake came. And here I am now. There was a bar around the corner in an alley called Hanil. It was a Korean bar. And uh, uh, it's where everybody hung out. You didn't see any Koreans in there except the people who owned the place. But um, uh, I remember sitting at the bar, having drinks legally because I was 21, playing Liar's Dice and talking radio with Bill Drake. Wow. Wow. I know. <laughs> you know what I mean? I know. I mean, and that's what I mean, because a few years earlier in Cleveland, I wouldn't have dreamed of that. I wouldn't have dared to dream of that. Me either. Yes. You know? I, I, I'm with you. I'm with you. So there that was. And I'll tell you something. To this day, those of, uh, who live outside of our sphere, our radio sphere, particularly guys our age who were there when we were kids, mm -hmm. they don't get it when no. we say, man, I tell people, I say, it did not get bigger or better than KFRC in San Francisco. Now, you no. could do the equivalent in some places. You could be on KHJ in L.A. You could be sure. on WLS in Chicago, WABC in New York. But it didn't get bigger than KFRC in San Francisco. No such thing. KFRC always had more freedom, always had more flexibility, and always had more fun than KHJ. KHJ always was more rigid. And, and because they had this very structured. However, there were some disc jockeys that would get away with murder. The real Don Steele would get away with murder. Right. Don Cox. Cox on the radio would get away with murder because he was so fucked up that he would forget that he was actually giving away the answer before the right. you know the the listener would call in. Mm -hmm. uh, Cox on the radio and uh, you know call in right now and gets that the winner is uh, the. Uh, the answer is going to be uh, Captain Antonio. <laughs> you just gave away the fucking answer. <laughs> wow. So there were some fun elements to KHJ. Well, let me tell you something. Compared to anything that I had experienced before, work, working with Paul Drew was about as tight as it got. And, oh, yeah. You know what I mean? And in uh, in the discipline that was was necessary, you only had to answer to one person. There, there was one boogeyman, and that was Paul. 
And he was the kind who would call you up and he would not call you up if you stepped on a vocal, which you would rarely do. And you felt pretty stupid when you did it. Um, and he knew you knew you did it. So he well, we're all human. You know, exactly. I know you always feel bad after that, but right. You know, we're all yeah, you human. missed it. You know, you missed it and you, and you, you didn't, that was not necessary, but, but at any rate, what he would get you on was that thing that you should have known that you didn't because you, you didn't absorb the memo properly. So he would call you up about something. He says, uh, he says, uh, uh, he said, did you read the memo? Yeah. Well, I suggest you go back and read it again. (laughs) Okay. So as soon as you put on your next song, you go back and read that memo. And you go back and read the memo, and then you'd notice that on page three, on paragraph two, it said specifically, do such and such, and da 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 And you go, oh, shit. He's right. One and- of the funniest things, and I don't know if you remember this era check that was floating around. And this is years and years ago. JJ, you and I have been around for so long. And I don't know if anybody remembers this air check that was floating around. But after Paul Drew took over KHJ, Charlie Van Dyke was doing a contest. And I can't remember, but it was name the disc jockey this hour. Uh, And so, and we were at the, in those days, we were putting people on the air live. Mm-hmm. So Charlie Van Dyke in the morning, he, he says, KHJ with Charlie Van Dyke. And coming up uh, this hour, uh, we have uh, Bob Evans, who makes wonderful mashed potatoes. And Bob, who is your guest this hour for the KHJ Mystery Disc Jockey? And the answer was Paul Drew for killing KHJ. Oh, God. Oh. You can actually hear Van Dyke potting, you know, as the last words of KHJ, you know, for killing KHJ. You know, it it almost fades out as the J. And, and, And Van Dyke pulls it together very quickly and says, uh, that's not quite right, man, but uh, coming up uh, another chance uh, next hour and rolls right into a, a jingle and, and, and it goes 93 KHJ into a record. Right. <laughs> that, right. And that air check rolled around for years in the 70s. I missed that one. The the uh, the 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 KHJ air check I recall was Robert W. Morgan's last day on KHJ. That rolled around for quite a while too. I don't know if you ever heard it. It was a great morning show. Which one? He always was that? did great morning shows. This is his last day on K. He was going to Chicago. Oh, before he he left to to, to uh, W uh, W I N D. Yes. So yeah. Before he went there, it was oh, it was yeah. it was his last day. Oh, and yeah. and and that particular uh, um, that particular um, air check circulated around LA for for a long time after that. Yeah, and nobody remembers any of these air checks anymore. You know, I bring them up, and and it, it's kind of funny because nobody remembers any of these things. And, mm-hmm. and one of the greatest things, what, and I loved you on fifteen eighty K day. I mean, I, 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 there, I thought you were at your your best. 
I mean, you were you were smoking. Thank you. At fifteen eighty K Day. Thank you. I love being at K Day. And, and, and I've got some great air checks of you that well, I you just air checked. That I, I just air checked as a kid. I would I was, love to you know, have I mean, a copy. Was, of, uh, can, can you give me some copies? Yes, of course. Okay. Because all, all of us, you know, in those days, we're just air checking each other. Right. I mean, everybody was. This is an open invitation for you to come back anytime on Radio Memories. And okay. I appreciate you sharing your 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 memories uh, from the past. Oh, and I, I could go some... on and on, Scott. I really could go on and on. I wrote a book. And, and I know you do. And please, what is share the share the title of the book? Well, I, I'm but listen to this. I'm I'm in the midst of uh, rewriting. It's a, a new edition. It'll be the, essentially the same book, but it'll be slightly expanded. And you know, I'm making a few improvements. I mean, you know, for example, the march of the uh, the march of the commas has got to go away, and you know, you know there's little technical things I'm doing to make it a better book. But it's called Air Check. Life in Music Radio. And it's not about K-Day and it's not about KFRC. It's, it's just my journey uh, through this thing. And it's, it's very subjective. It's what I've seen and experienced. And, uh, and it's full of various things. It's the, the people that I worked around, the people I knew, some celebrities. Um, uh, I got two parts in it called Rants and Observations. And it's just, you know, just me sort of riffing on this, that, and the other. Um, uh, because what I was attempting to do was, uh, give a reader a feel for how it was. And, uh, I think I succeeded at that. But it is and, a feel and for it how is it was. available right now. It's on Amazon. I want to, I want to get the new one out though. And so I, I'm, I, you know, now that I've mentioned it, now I got to ramp ramp up my work on it and uh, get this thing done. Got to get a new cover, blah 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 blah, and see what well, we can do. Well, even this. before it's out, I, I'd like to get you back on the show. Okay. Because I know you have so many more, and, and I want to play some clips. I actually have some 1580 uh, K Day clips. That okay, I cool. Play. I'm and, ready. And, man. and you've been such a big part uh, of Los Angeles radio. Well, thank you. And and I've known you for so long, so um, I'm glad we get together. I, and because even though we've known each other for a long time, you and I never really connected. And and it's nice to connect now. Yeah, it's really nice to connect because I think we've only really connected at funerals. Well, funerals and Martonis. <laughs> yes. You know, that, that was, you know, that, that was the place, you know, and I'm still in touch with, uh, I'm still in touch with the, 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 uh, the Marinos, the Marino kids. Oh, is that and, right? Yeah. They're not kids anymore. They're no, long away no, from kids. I would but, imagine. But but I'm still in we. touch with Shiro and, and, uh, and, and, uh, uh, his sister, um, and now I'm blanking on her name. She's going to kill me. Um, Rosanna. Anyhow. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. So they're, they're, yeah. And it was that and funerals. So yeah. Seeing you, even though I'm seeing you on, on the screen, we can get together and do some lunch or something. I hope so. Soon. Radio yeah. legend, JJ Johnson. Uh, so good to talk to you. And until we meet again and, and, and I, I appreciate you sharing your radio memories and we're going to do this soon. Okay. That's fine. And thank you, Dave. All right. Take care of yourself. 
J.J. Johnson, one of my favorite people, and I'm glad we got to talk. And J.J., lunch is on me, so I we've got to connect. We've got to get together so we get to talk one-on-one. I, I He's got so many great stories, and we've got to have him back on because we've got to get the 1580K Day stuff uh, because there's so much. And and he's got a a long uh, uh, career to talk about. So I'm I'm hoping we get JJ Johnson back on Radio Memories very very soon. And thank you for being a guest, JJ. Coming up next week, another very special guest. Could it be the Shadow? I guess we'll all have to find out together. Have a great weekend. I'm Skywalker. And until next Wednesday for more Radio Memories.